0: Greetings and welcome to episode twenty-six of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the development of the fourth game in the franchise, Elite Dangerous. I'm your host, Second Technician Fozzer Forrester, and joining me in the sidewinder of this episode, we have the Lave Station Chief of Operations, a man who flies a ship called the Timid Arrow, John Stabler. Good evening. How are you doing, John? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Excellent. And joining him we also have the noted Lavian historian and Lave Station Commander, man who flies a ship called the Argent Impaler, Mr Alan Stroud.
1: I take it you're doing this from John's random generator.
0: No, I am, yeah, but don't don't. I like Argent <laughs> I
1: like No no, I like Argent Impaler. Argent Impaler is cool.
0: And sadly, the station's head of entertainment, Chris Jarvis, cannot be with us this episode as he is currently locked himself in a dark, soundproof room and is refusing to come out until he's had some sleep. Uh, There will be some news called in from him later on. So we sent out a call and a willing victim, I mean volunteer, uh, to sit in the chair and uh, one person who needed to get away from the editing desk, Mr. Grant Woolcock, a.k.a. Psycho Cow, who is currently flying the ship, the Black Barbarian. (laughs)
2: <laughs> good evening, Black Barbarian, that's a good one
3: <laughs> How come those two managed to get butch names and I got Timid Mouse or whatever it was? I don't
2: know mate, you should
0: it's probably, a fix. You could probably blame the guy who wrote the software <laughs>
1: I probably should, yeah I, I believe it's based on, forum, stati- on um, forum statistics and on multiplayer statistics, John <laughs> Oh, don't be like that <laughs> I, Foz didn't tell you what his is
0: No, actually, hold on. Uh, At weekends, I love to fly the ship. Oh, what do you know? Server error runtime. Oh, what a shame. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so in this show, we're going to be covering uh, newsletter number 16, uh, the current state of Elite Fiction and the audiobooks, and of course, the topic you've all been waiting for, that of the Elite Alpha multiplayer. Let's find out what the team's been up to. Let's start with Mr. Stabler.
3: Well, this week, I've been mostly really excited about the alpha multiplayer um, like a child. I kept my um, my excitement to myself and, and within the Elite Dangerous Skype chat room rather than posting endlessly on the forums asking when is it going to be here or, you know, how excited are you? And then Alpha finally dropped and and I was really upset that I couldn't actually play it because of I had a networking issue.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're alone on that one.
3: I had it fixed thanks to Mr. Brooks. Uh, he posted on the forums a little method to edit the config file and get it all working, so I was happily playing last night with a few crashes, but um, it, was a, it, was, it was a scream anyway.
0: Yeah, it has definitely been uh, a lot of fun without a Shadow. Of a doubt. What about uh, non-alpha related stuff? What have you been up to?
3: I've just been really, really busy with work, to be honest. Um, I just—it's just been the usual thing of working hard all day, coming home and crashing. Uh, I don't—I haven't had much time to play any other games. Um, it's only because I've been so excited by Alpha that I've put time aside and, and instead of going to bed every night at sensible time, I've—I've I've been playing that instead. I'll probably pay for it later in the
0: week. So have you been doing anything, I don't know, maybe like creating a a random ship name generator for the website?
3: Well, that wasn't really this week, was it? But it's, um, yeah, I, I did create that, but it only took like four hours one afternoon you know it wasn't like a you know a, a big job or anything yeah so we've created a ship name generator you can go to laveradio.com check it out it's, there's a link to it on the side there i like to think that it provides a nice the you know the names are aesthetically pleasing i think they suit the elite dangerous universe
2: okay so grant what have you been up to this week well we were recording the latest uh, retro lave on monday so i've got that to be continued and finished the editing of that which is great that was uh free space 2 uh which was actually really enjoyable thoroughly enjoyed that it was I a good night you.
0: i've been telling you for weeks free space 2 is one of the best games that you're going to play for a space sim genre
2: and you were right. <laughs> and I was right. And we're getting ready for our sort of review of the year for the gorgeous gorgeous licensing next week. It's the Birmingham licensing fair. Uh, I think it finished today, so we'll get all the feedback from that and see what wonderful new products they're going to put uh, my wife's artworks on this year. Uh, so that's quite exciting. That's next week, Monday, I think, is our big meeting. Um, and, yes, playing the alpha.
0: Do you have any problems connecting in, Or were you one of the lucky few that got in straight away?
2: Well, on one machine, I got in straight away. But on my son's, he has one of these slightly older um, AMD video cards. So not only could he not uh, play or get into the Alpha, it just stuck on the loading screen and then dumped out into Windows. Um, He also couldn't get back into the single player. Mm. So I'm waiting for the the fix in that. Otherwise, I may be going down to the shops and try to pick up a cheap Nvidia. Okey-doke. Mr. Stroud, how's your week gone?
1: My week's been awesome. There have been quite a lot of things going on, to be honest. Uh, I started, actually, I was going to talk to start with about a few things I did last week. One of the things I did last week is I took the Elite Dangerous Alpha 1.1 1. 1 into lectures. And I took it in so that my students could have a play on it. And we had a chat about it and we used it in a seminar, which was really cool. Um, so uh, two or three of them had to go at some of the missions. And it's really funny because they did exactly what, you know, everybody does, which is they had a playthrough and then they asked me to have a playthrough. And um, so show them how it's done which was uh, was very funny. And of course, you know, you, you kind of don't necessarily show how it's done because you're not necessarily that good. But then uh, I was a bit worrying, if um, you remember from the last episode, I was a bit worrying about how I was coping with my joystick and everything else and thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not actually doing this very well. Well, I suddenly kind of got used to my joystick. And um, with the fact that uh, the alpha was delayed by a week or so, while everybody else was sort of Worrying about it and fretting and, and maybe hoping desperately it was going to come out uh, any particular day, I carried on practicing through the uh, through the you know, the normal scenarios and managed to complete them, which I was really really pleased about completed incursion literally literally like a two days before the alpha finally dropped and then 8.30 at night you and myself were obviously were on downloading it which uh, was um it's quite exciting and i managed to get straight in with no network issues at all uh, the next day was a little bit of multiplayer you know was read it out but uh, and that seemed to you know be the same for everybody in terms of other stuff audio Audiobooks. uh chris has been on to me most nights with little corrections and, and bits and pieces for um uh, for elite labor revolution uh which is now passed through fantastic books's editorial process which was fairly easy it just needed me to actually have the time to go through it uh, and is now currently with frontier so frontier are currently doing the uh, uh their check in terms of approval part of that is um you know there's obviously map and other bits and pieces but i don't want to go too much into it because otherwise
0: you won't have a topic will you <laughs> no, if you don't mind. We'll cover that uh, We'll cover that when we get to the, the fixed side of the show. Okay, well, why don't we crack on then and go straight into newsletter number 16. It has been a little bit of a, a slow news uh, time coming out of Frontier. Frontier Developments have been obviously working exceptionally hard on getting the Alpha up and ready, but unfortunately it has left us with very little to talk about on the radio show. So it's been quite nice to actually get a newsletter through uh, just before Alpha dropped. And yeah, not surprisingly, a lot of the newsletter is taken up discussing... Uh, Alpha Phase 2, the multiplayer, but also goes through a little bit about um, talking about the beta that's going to be coming after the Alpha, and also how you can possibly jump into the Alpha if you haven't already upgraded. Let's go straight into Alpha Phase 2. So, Newsletter Basic talks about the fact that the Alpha is launching. Uh, launched, was it three days after this newsletter came out? Something like that. They found a last minute bug in the in the software that they needed dying out before they could launch it the masses. So, came out about three days after the newsletter, but the newsletter talks about the fact that there is going to be, or there are rather, four separate missions within the multiplayer aspect of the Alpha. They are factions where you've got two sides battling it out, the capital ship defense where you defend a damaged federal battle cruiser against numerous foes, the miners and lawmen where you get the option of either protecting or pirating Miners that are currently in an asteroid belt. And finally, the the one that is the most chaotic, the free-for-all, which is just a straightforward battle royale, everybody against everybody else, um, and see who can survive the longest. So the newsletter goes on to explain a little bit about those. And the question that I know quite a few of our listeners are probably interested in, and that is the when is beta coming out? Now, guys, obviously we've all got alpha, but uh, how many of you have no people that are waiting for the beta to drop?
1: Well, there's quite a few on uh, the Elite Dangerous chat uh, Skype area that uh, that we've all uh, all been privy to. Ian Phillips, for example, is uh, is waiting desperately for beta, um, and uh, you know, and I, I know a few others who are as well. And some of them being incredibly patient, which uh, bless them, uh, yeah. is uh, obviously seeing everybody else having the fun and
0: uh, not having the fun yourself is uh, is kind of a bit <laughs> of a bind, isn't it? Yeah, so well, one of the uh, one of the retro live guys, Ben. Uh, Moss Woodward uh, is being very patient and has uh, decided that he's just going to continue playing Free Space 2 uh, whilst the rest of us are playing Alpha because he's just, <laughs> he's not interested in Alpha. He just, He's just interested in the beta. So congratulations to Ben for pretending not to be interested in Alpha and uh, waiting patiently for beta. But the, the news from Frontier is that um, when it comes to beta, it will be released when each phase of the Alpha has been released and they've added on all the feedback that they've got from the Alpha. So, Uh, It was mentioned by David in the Dev Diary video number 10 that the alpha still has two more stages left to go. So obviously, uh, we've had stage one. This is stage two with the multiplayer. And there's still another two to go, one of outfitting and also one of travel and trading. So when they're done and all the feedback's been worked through, uh, they're going to release the premium stage beta. So obviously, we can't give you a date because we have no no idea how long that's going to take. But uh, I know you're probably just as keen as the rest of us to uh, to get into the beta and start seeing the universe in its full scale.
2: I think it's a Michael Brooks soon, isn't it, for that one? <laughs> yes,
0: it's a, a Michael Brooks soon, so watch this page.
2: The the one thing that was really good for the beta guys is how uh, open they are to sit in the Twitch TV broadcasts and streams from the likes of Karash and all the various other people in the forums, and they're getting into it that way, and... Uh, I think that's really helping their patients because they get to see all this stuff and they get to see it crashing, which I imagine makes them quite happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so we'll talk about that a bit when we get into the actual uh, yeah, the meat and bones of the the alpha. But also, I mean, it's a good point you raised there about the, the Twitch TV because further down the newsletter, just to jump ahead, they also mentioned the fact that there's going to be an official Elite Dangerous uh, streaming channel on Twitch TV as well. So we'll actually get to see some of the devs um, showing us how, uh, how you're supposed to pilot a Sidewinder in theory. So uh, obviously we've had crashes. We've got quite a few people actually Uh, running twitch tv channels showing how the alpha is playing along and as you say some of the crashes that you get as you're playing it but it'd be quite nice to see the official channel and seeing what the uh what the developers are actually doing with their ships
2: i think it'll be good fun if we uh, figure out what session they're in get in on it and uh, see if we can make them swear on their own stream
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, they've already declared animosity to particular players at, at given times, haven't they? We already know that certain players have died at the hands of very evil developers. And certain developers have died at the hands of, you know, retaliating players who were obviously just doing, you know, the the... The small amount of damage that they could for the fact that they had to wait so long. I mean, thirty years. You're always gonna you're always gonna try and pay David Braben back, aren't you? After he spent all that time working on this thing and keeping it on on a laptop on his you know at home that length of time I mean you know, I obviously uh, you know uh, I think Commander Bond was shooting for everybody wasn't he really at that moment in time I was
2: I was gonna say he deserves a name drop for certain <laughs> yeah. well I
1: think I think we can also talk about uh, that you know that obviously cruel and terrible man Mr. Michael Brooks who um, uh, modified his usual moniker of soon to extremely soon <laughs> 20 minutes before the Alpha actually released, which was, you know, late on a Tuesday night, which I'm sure nobody was was kind of around, apart from us. Obviously, we were. Yeah, you know, in fairness, that,
0: that was very cruel because we were expecting, we'd been waiting for this to drop um uh, yeah, day after day after it was said that it was going to be you know, before the end of January. So yeah, the end of January came and went, and then the first few days in February. Then we got the idea that it was going to be launched on the 3rd of February, which it missed. So yeah, there's quite some amusing uh, comments going around. There was a very amusing video <laughs> put on the forums about our indignation about the fact it was taking so long. And then, uh, yeah, they dropped it at 9, nine o'clock at night, which... For someone that's only got a two megabyte connection for his broadband, knowing that it was out there and knowing it was going to take me probably about two, two and a half hours to download it all, whilst listening to all you guys play it, was probably one of the most painful things that's <laughs> happened so far in the development cycle of this game. But uh, uh, worth waiting for. I think we'll definitely uh, definitely agree it's worth waiting for when we get onto it. And I suppose we should probably say it is in the news. Like we have seen the emails about it, but it's not too late to join the alpha. You know, As we say, we've got two more stages to go. Uh, and uh, Frontier Developments are offering a straightforward upgrade, so you just basically pay the difference between your pledge level and that alpha, and that will give you access to the alpha. It seems like it's probably going to be going on for a few weeks yet, so if you want to get in on the action, then by all means come and join us. Okay, just going down the uh, newsletter, there were some questions answered from the private backers forum. John, do you want to take us through those?
3: Yeah, this is the mostly harmless questions that people have been able to leave on the private backers' forum. Uh, starting off with Bedrock. Hi, if you explore far far out, will there still be stations and an ability to trade? So, I mean, from what I remember in Frontier, as soon as you left the core systems, the places where you could trade were, you know, few and far between, really. So it kind of kept you kind of anchored to that central area, that central part of uh, the galaxy. So, again, you know, they're going to say that, that they're saying that um, they're going to be more infrequent as you travel further from you know the explored space but there will be some um and the They describe them as surprises, you know, there there may be something maybe a little bit more interesting, maybe a a Thargoid base or, you know, maybe in the future another alien race or something that could be cool. And they also took this opportunity to mention that um, ships will be able to travel quite far without support. And they just basically hinted at the fact there'll be special equipment to, to do this. So, you know, you're looking at something that can, you know, maintain your ship and fix it if it gets damaged or whatever. Yeah, that was quite interesting.
0: Um, they also mentioned that they expected players to cooperate so that they can reach even further. Now, <laughs> if you can remember way back in the, the mists of time when the show we talked about you and your RAC van going out into the uh the far reaches of the universe. So maybe there's a little nod to us that, you know, that you could actually get your repair van and go and support people out, uh, you know, explorers out on the rim.
3: Yeah, yeah, I no doubt I got no doubt that uh, they stole that idea from us. Um <laughs> Dunkard147 asked, how will you manage and prioritise the scope of this work to ensure that you maximise the value delivered to the initial release? Well, we'll see. What is he? Their lawyer? (laughs) Is this a question the the PR guy asked? Um, So they just they just talked about the core features that define the game, you know, knowing that that's what people are going to be expecting. And they just talk about the, you know, the alpha and the different versions. And the final question was from the stat who asks, will there be technology that you can purchase that can slowly repair damage to your ship automatically? So it's, Similar to that first question, but, um, you know, I suppose it will also have use after combat and things like that. So uh, the answer for that was some self-repair systems will be available, um, although they're going to be specialized. So I don't know if there's going to be a way for you to just deploy nanobots like you did in Frontier and it just fix up absolutely everything. I think this is going to be something which is more geared towards explorers. You won't be able to exploit it to, you know, make yourself... Invulnerable, or you know, harder to kill than just you know someone who's got shields. So, and and they mention obviously that this technology can also be used to reduce the wear and tear on your ship. So, yeah, for explorers,
0: cool. Grant, maybe uh, maybe you should talk about the fact that they uh, they've stolen your idea on this one as well. And there's actually going to be an elite merchandise store coming very very soon. You obviously gave the whole development team uh, their very own Thargoid and fertilance mugs you getting involved in the merchandising are you giving them some ideas
2: <laughs> spangly onesies are definitely on the cards I, I think i'm i think i'm right to say that <laughs> but no i think it's great they've opened up and they've asked for things that we'd like to see which is amazing i mean the mugs i've got it took me a, a while to sort them out um, and to get the right quality so And and having worked in mail order and creating products with Susie's artworks on, um, I know how difficult it is to get the right quality at the right price, to be able to sell that onto your end user at a right value for them, because postage is a big thing as well, so um, I know all the pitfalls for that kind of thing, but... As long as they get the quality right, people will pay for it and enjoy it. So mugs are definite. I reckon um, posters are an easy one for them to do as long as they can get the quality. So maybe Mm. they should speak to me about that one. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, they say they're going to start off with the shop opening up uh, and selling some very cool T-shirts. Now, I think that's actually, given their history with T-shirts, I think that's a very bold uh, statement to make. Because I'm sure they must have a cupboard full of elite T-shirts with that massive logo. They'll have to come in some awfully large sizes to be able to fit the logo on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we shall wait and see. You know, um, I would love them to prove us wrong. And finally um, talk about Obviously fantastic publishing as well uh, But we'll give you an update on that When it comes to the fiction So that's going to do it for the newsletter Newsletter number 16 It's nice to have a newsletter It's been a while So thank you very much to Mr. Ashley Barley And we'll go straight into fiction Okay so the current state of elite fiction When we started the podcast We had this great idea of doing Lots and lots of uh, writer interviews And keeping up to date with everybody And how they're getting on with their book At various stages I don't know where time has gone but some people have actually finished their books. Alan, what's happening? Well,
1: uh, a lot of people have finished their books, um, and it's it's very much down to, I think, you know, if you look back through the process of, of how these things have gone through, you can kind of see how some people have stuck at it, and, and you know... It, Generally, it's the ones that have, have sort of milled through day by day, day by day and, and, and sort of got stuff together and updated and talked about the things that they've got to, um, that have, have sort of made it through the wilderness, as it were. It's not all finished. I mean, Drew is through Frontier Approval, which uh, is fantastic news for him. So congratulations to Drew. And he's also he's done all his fantastic books edits. Um, the minute Drew was through that process. I submitted to, to Michael to give Michael a decent read over a, over a weekend, which I got uh, regular emails last weekend sorting out some of the mapping issues in my book, which are a bit more complicated than Drew's. So, uh, so we managed to sort all that out. So all my locations are sorted, which is great. Um, and now I'm just waiting on Michael's next list of things that uh, he wants me
0: to, uh, to correct or change. So just that again, mate. So it's been a bugbear that the what is it the star map that Frontier haven't managed to sort of uh, finalise yet.
1: Yeah, they basically what they've done instead of finalising the star map and sending it out to all the uh, all the authors, what they've done instead is just gone through what the authors need for their book and then said, okay, that's what you need. Therefore, this is where it should work, and this is how much rewriting or not how much rewriting you'll need to do so I basically I've gone through all my locations and bits and pieces and uh, and that's now all been sorted out um, they're all locked down had to make some changes in terms of some names uh, and some other bits and pieces but that's fine you know as long as as far as I was concerned as long as everything ends up at Lave it doesn't really matter <laughs> so, uh, so yeah so so that was fine
0: so what's left for you to do?
1: Uh, I'm just waiting as I say I'm waiting for Michael to give me the rest of the things that Frontier aren't happy with withdrew There were one or two things that uh, they need to go away and correct, Um, and then after that, there will be a final proof. We go through that final proof, and um, yeah, that should be should be it.
0: What about uh, the release? Because obviously, the time frame at the moment seems to be very fluid. Obviously, the alpha is going to take as long as it takes, and then we've got the beta. So, I mean, without wanting to be a a pessimist, but. I can't imagine we're going to hit the initial sort of March deadline that we had when we first you know, started this journey. Have you got any idea of when Frontier are thinking of actually doing a sort of a launch event? And are you going to try and are you going to try and tie the books into that, or how's it going to pan out? Or even a pessimist,
2: you know? Yeah, uh, what I know. call myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want to be a pessimist, but
1: <laughs> um, we're not. to To be honest, we're at that stage at the moment where where things are a little bit in flux in that regard. I mean, you know. At the end of the day, I think Dan and certainly the Fantastic Books team have very much wanted to be in a position where we were ready. You know, so whatever Frontier did, we were ready. And so that's kind of been the way in which we've set ourselves to, you know, to get everything done. And I think Drew, you know, his writing sort of plan has very much been, I'm, if they've said March, I'm going to aim for March. And of course, Frontier haven't really said to us that it's going to be any different. So there isn't really any point in factoring any any extra time. But those of us that are on the forums and are doing stuff can kind of tell that it's going to slip. You know, it's it's not going to be March. It will be later because we're not through Alpha yet. You know, you wouldn't give Beta any time, would you, if it was going to be March? And it wouldn't really have announced Gamma if um, you know if it was going to be March. So you know, it's going to be interesting as to whether the books all come out at the same time with the um, with the game. I don't know as to whether you know we might consider you know dropping some stuff out and then basically you know sort of hyping it as it were so you basically you got a book a month or something and then uh, and then the game came out um might be interesting to you know to kind of see i as things stand there 's still quite a lot to do the anthology you 've got fifteen writers' stories there, so there 's still quite a lot to do to try and you know get all of those through um, through quality you've also got uh, john harper's book is still um, at the moment in editing uh, as far as I know it might be that uh, by the time this podcast comes out that uh, it goes back and you know it's actually it's it's completed kate is is still writing away she's uh, i believe she 's writing whilst she 's getting her edits from fantastic books so makes things perhaps a little bit more uh, sort of evolved as a process so yeah so you know it, it's a lot to, to get done and also with Chris Jarvis producing the audio he's looking at all of the elements that he's got to produce and put together and kind of time framing all of that and with him working with Toby Longworth trying to to get Drew's, uh, Drew's book recorded and look at you know certain characters being produced um, that's quite an extensive process I mean Chris has you know has built his own recording studio as part of this so you know it is quite a lot to get done but obviously it will all get done you know, and I think you can kind of see that if you reflect back to, you know, last year where we were, you know, sort of looking at these different projects. You can see very clearly that an awful lot has been built in by certain individuals and, you know, and they've they've made it to the finish line. You know, they might not be quite through the ticker tape yet, but uh, they're certainly at the finish line and uh, and there isn't far to go.
0: OK, so just before we leave the fiction side of the podcast, uh, just to let you know, we will be doing writers interviews with all the guys that are across the line and... Uh, Chris Jarvis will actually be uh, giving us an update on the audio stuff a little bit later on. Okay, so moving on to the topic that everybody's been waiting for, that of the Elite Alpha multiplayer. Guys, what was everybody's experience? I think we already talked a little bit about the fact that uh, it came out late on, was it Tuesday night?
1: Yes, it was. It was yeah, late, so late Tuesday night, you and me downloading. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was very cool, but we didn't expect it. And, I mean, you, you mentioned that uh, you thought they were being a bit cruel, I think, to be honest. If you you know if you check when Michael replies to emails and when Michael is working I think somebody pulled a late night and I also know from experience that Michael has been in the office most weekends too so rather than it being cruel I think it was just he wanted to get it out to you know to players as quickly as he possibly could so uh, hats off to Michael for uh, for giving out uh, getting the alpha out as quickly as he
2: did. For cracking the whip on all those developers <laughs> <laughs> Well done to him for doing so as well because it was uh, one of those nights, we had the Monday night uh over excitement and uh, the big disappointment around about six o'clock when we got that not happening today and then we'd all given up on tuesday we were just getting on with having fun and doing all those other kind of things and then suddenly (laughs) nine (laughs) o'clock at night we're all going oh what what do you mean it's coming what now (laughs) (laughs) how late were we playing gentlemen how late
0: they were still playing at two o'clock in the morning which for school nights let's be honest is a little bit late for all of us but it was Uh, quite funny the ed chat room the elite dangerous chat room on skype was still absolutely buzzing with people still on there playing the game or in some cases, not playing the game uh, at 2 a.m. in the morning. So uh, it, it was definitely uh, one of the most enjoyable multiplayer nights I've had in quite some time.
1: And certainly, I mean, you found, and I, I don't know if Grant's found the same thing, but uh, you found and, uh, and John found when he finally managed to get into playing uh, the night after on Wednesday, that it is a case of people knowing who people are and kind of looking around and going, ah, there's so-and-so. Great, I get a chance to shoot at him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been nice to uh, obviously all the people that we've come across in the forums and with the podcast and everything. Uh, it's quite nice to turn up into to turn up in space and actually see uh, the commander names that you recognise flying in sidewinders out in front of you. And then thinking back to maybe some of the posts on the forums that you didn't quite agree with and then just blowing them out of space for those posts. It's been nice to get a little bit of retribution.
2: It's not like that. I mean, I just remember the the posts, uh, what will you do when you meet somebody in space for the first time? And now we have the answer. It's shoot first, laugh, and then (laughs) shoot them again.
1: Uh, The nature of this test, in all seriousness, the nature of this test requires... That um, you know that people test it thoroughly and and play around, and we know that there is no um, there's no way in which the the consequences of this are going to be factored into the game. So of course we're you know we're all out there and being as, as as criminally active as we possibly can be, and I think that's you know I think that's that's all for the good if it if it improves the game, and certainly the developers are taking us that way as well, aren't they? So
0: you know they're, they've decided to to be as criminally active as they possibly can. Definitely without a shadow of doubt. Okay, well maybe we just sort of uh, take a step back. Let's let's just give our initial thoughts on the alpha. We've been playing it now for a couple of days, and yeah, let's uh, let's take the good, the bad, and uh, some of the ugly. Uh, let's start off with the the good. I would say let's talk a little bit about the the graphics. Now, in mean, my first impressions, when I booted into this game, was that everything I it just looks absolutely stunning uh, the lighting the dynamic lighting that we see when we're playing through these things really blew me away and also unlike the alpha 1.1 1. 1, sometimes in the multiplayer you can actually have some quiet moments and uh, the ability to fly up to ships and actually see some ships close up like the anacondas or even just fellow sidewinders and actually see the level of detail that frontier developments have actually plowed into this game alpha 1.1 1. 1 was just a little bit too frantic you never really got that opportunity but uh Having a close look at some of the models that they've done have been absolutely, well, it's just been amazing. What do you guys think?
2: Absolutely. I think the first thing I noticed when I got into the Alpha for the first time was that it was quite orange. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and, It took a bit of getting used to, because you were kind of used to that Alpha 1. And I think the other thing you notice is that the cockpit viewing area is larger. Uh, And I don't know if they've maybe moved the position of the pilot in some way that, or it could just be that the track IR, now that it's working better, um, is getting my head closer to the cockpit. But it seems to be that, whereas before I could see the two side screens from my normal position, now I can't. They're, you know, they're definitely to my sides. I cannot see them. They're out of my line of sight, which gives me this much bigger field of view at the front and it's fantastic and yeah they, they, i think whatever they've done in the tweaks and the graphics it's stunning stunningly beautiful and the nebula effect is just dr- jaw droppingly beautiful i was gonna say I, I i love going through the asteroids
1: i think that uh, that the asteroids are very very pretty and of course seeing the uh the federation capital ship as well and actually being able to fly through and around and everything else with the federation capital ship is is pretty cool
0: yeah, I was going to say the the new environments. You know, some of them, are certainly the asteroid belts. When you first jump into um, what was it, ethics and credits, it's just jaw dropping. The, the wonderful, wonderful environment that you find yourself in, and all the asteroids, you know, procedurally generated. They just look absolutely amazing. Yeah, you mentioned about the the big old federal battle cruiser. Uh, how cool is it to actually be able to recreate the? Um, the Damocles video and go top speed all the way down the middle of that ship. Yeah, I, I haven't done it yet. I've been too busy.
2: I've tried a couple of times, but I haven't done it yet either.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> I did. I did hear the other night Darren Gray got stuck. Now, if you <laughs> if you recall us um, uh, when we first when the concept art first came out, talking about those capital ships, and Chris said that you know uh, try and fly an anaconda down there, and Chris said, yeah, yeah, I'll give it go. It appears that Darren you know trying to recreate that that you know that sort of launch that we've seen and you know and that run that we've seen darren went a bit too far and got stuck so someone had to go in and give him a shove uh but uh, i think he'd already quit out because he'd been waiting there so long
3: was it a shove with a beam laser or
1: I, I i have no idea but i think i think someone did try and give him a shove but he'd actually he'd already quit out so of course he wasn't actually in the cockpit at that point so uh so yeah
2: I did get stuck there myself, and found that the only way to get out was to throttle back to nothing, and then use whatever thrusters you can to try and get yourself facing to a nice exit, and then blast your way out that way. But it is once you get stuck in there, you get stuck pretty good.
1: I think at this point, what we should say is that we should make a special mention to Simon Winard, who has uh, has been quite vocal in the fact that he's been unable to play the Alpha so far owing to the ATI graphics issue that there currently is and uh, you know i feel particularly sorry for simon so i'd like to say um sorry mate it's great (laughs) you're missing out shut up
0: that's just (laughs) me
2: well ironically or no no not ironically coincidentally um the issue that i have with my son's computer is the fact that we have the same graphics card that simon has oh well i see i feel i feel sorry for your
1: son because he's not whinging to me about it <laughs>
0: uh, right, maybe we just leave that there. And we'll go on to that. It's probably one of the bad or the ugly issues that are currently sort of plaguing the alpha. But uh, what about the genuine dog fighting? I mean, one of my major concerns when I was going to, uh, about going into the multiplayer alpha is that it was just going to be basically two dogs chasing their tails. You know, that you're just going to go round and round and round. And on the whole. That isn't the sort of dogfighting we've got. The the dogfighting really does feel quite dynamic. Uh, it feels quite exciting. And above everything else, it's actually fun.
1: Absolutely. I think I've probably... Well, unless Grant can can say that he's had more experience of dogfighting uh, than I have, but um, I've probably I think I've done the most dogfighting. Let's face it, I, I think I've probably done the most dogfighting here. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. You know, it, it really is. And you, it's very varied as well. You find very uh, very different tactics being employed. There's also there's an upgrade to the NPCs, and that the NPCs have got specific tactics now that are countering some of the things that you did in Alpha 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, Which I think is very interesting. We're seeing things like, you know, the sort of corkscrewing away, so that it's much more difficult to shoot them as they're going away. You know, it's it's very, very clever, and uh, certainly there's more nuance to it.
3: I think the reason why we're not seeing this simplistic play is because all of these players have played through the, the the first alpha, and so they're more than aware of the fact that you can get locked in these loops, and they've they've devised ways out of it. So now that we're actually playing player to player. We're not seeing this real simplistic gameplay, which like uh, a newbie player would be inclined to do. But I, I think it's a testament to the mechanics and the balance that dogfighting is interesting, as opposed to like many of the um, modern aircraft simulators that you get now. This definitely reminds me of the older flight simulators, flying a World War One or World War Two prop aircraft or something like that, because you have got that element of you know turning speed is a consideration. So um, I. I think it's been great fun. I think the reason why Alan loves it so much is because he's been more successful. (laughs) It's nothing to do with him actually liking the dogfighting. He's just been killing lots of people.
2: (laughs) I have to say, I was... I did watch um, Mobius in a battle and um, he managed to get into that circle of uh, impending repetition and he I don't know what he did but watching from the position I was in he managed to get that curve and he just made such a, a hairpin turn on it right behind his attacker and yeah, got himself out of trouble. And I thought, when you see these things and you can see how exciting it can be to watch other people in dogfights, and then of course you explode unexpectedly because you weren't <laughs> paying attention. But it's just utterly immersive. You just, you know, you're in there, you're looking at it, you're watching, you go, no, no, you don't, don't you dare shoot my friend. I'm coming in.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the last one I've got on uh, on my good list here is, uh, is that of the, uh, the sound. Now, we obviously heard a lot of the sounds in Alpha 1.1, but... But the inclusion of things like the, the, you know, the beam lasers, the sound from that is very, very satisfying. The sound of you scraping against another ship, don't really want to hear it that often, but when you do, it is quite awesome. And then obviously the, the sounds that we've heard before, things like the cracking cockpit glass has just been enhanced as well. The sound quality, the sound engineering is still uh, is still top-notch. Unfortunately, the sound element also makes the bad list as well, but we'll, uh, we'll move on to that now. But uh, the top of the bad list has to be, and let's be honest, Uh, and probably we should just put a little caveat into this everything that we're saying guys about the game is as the game is in very very early stages of alpha development so please do not take any of these um, sort of uh, bug bears that we've got about the alpha to mean that it reflects in any way, shape, or form the final product. But that said, uh, stability—we uh, were all exceptionally spoilt with Alpha 1.1 because it was just basically a playable demo. I mean, there was—I mean, we were all alpha testing, and it was—it was so exciting when you actually found a bug that you could report because there were so few and far between. It was uh, yeah, something to actually get uh, excited about and celebrate. Um, Alpha 2.0, maybe not quite the same. This feels a lot more like a normal Alpha, wouldn't you say, John?
3: Well, most definitely, yeah. Um, And and that's just going by what I saw on the forums people crashing out or getting stuck on screens, you know, the game like hanging for long periods. But there was one particular problem which um, I had, and a lot of other people did, and that was with the networking. When you started up the game, it couldn't um, connect to the servers properly, and so multiplayer was redded out. Which was not a pleasant sight once you've you know waited for it to download and install. So uh, just just for the geeks out there, um, I'll I'll go through, I'll just go through the problem quickly. It's to do with um, the way that the peer-to-peer works. Basically, what happens is um, all the other players need to know your IP address and you know what port that they can send messages to you on. And so if your if your router supports UPnP, then it can kind of do all this transparently, um, and so it works off the bat for you. However, if you have a router that doesn't support UPnP or you've disabled it because of security concerns over the technology, then you need to manually fix the uh, config file at the moment, or that's the recommendation by Frontier. It just means going into a, an XML file and, and adding in a couple of lines. The, inf- the information is available on the f- uh, on the forums in the alpha testing uh, forum, um, so if anybody has still hasn't got it working, there is a fix. And nearly, as far as I'm aware, everybody who had the problem, who has gone and followed the instructions, is now able to connect. The the networking problem is solvable. So uh, that's good news.
0: Okay, so I mean, that was the main bugbear, (laughs) pun intended. Uh, For me? Well, for a lot of people. You know, the networking issue was a a big concern. I mean, one of the guys from Retrolave, uh, Rory, he didn't get that working until I believe you helped him out today. So that's been two days that he's been without uh, Alpha for the same issue.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I pointed him in the direction of the instructions, but um, uh, I can understand that that you know they're not you know if you haven't edited these things you know these kind of files before or you haven't configured your router, I can understand how it could be quite scary or you you might not want to mess with it in case you break something. But yeah, no, if we, I took him through it and he got it working. So well done, Rory. I hope you've racked up some kills. And uh, if I do see you in game, you'll refrain from you know shooting me <laughs> up, shooting me up like everyone else has. No chance. <laughs> um,
0: okay, the second. Uh, main issue that we've already mentioned is that the the ATI graphics card seems to be causing a bit of a a bit of a problem for some people grant what's happening there
2: i've got obviously um one machine which has a nice uh, nvidia 760 graphics card which is my machine and when i bought that i then put the amd card that i used to have into my son's machine to give him a bit of a boost Um, but what happens since the alpha update is he can get into the game it launches fine and when he picks a scenario whether it be in the offline mode or whether it be in multiplayer up comes the orange Sidewinder. I think it turns quite slowly um, twice and then it stops. And sometimes it crashes out with a uh, Frontier message and, and you can submit the crash report, and other times it just crashes straight back into Windows and it's constant it just doesn't change so i've tried um, updating the drivers as you would um, making sure you've got no other conflicting programs running just all the kind of normal things that you would do to try and reduce the problem and then you start thinking about well the only thing i've got left is to reinstall windows but then you find out other people have got the same problem you go that's me i'm not going to do that i'll wait and see what happens but this could be the start of the cutoff points this could be the point at which frontier say right We can't support these older cards. There's an inherent problem. So we just have to wait and see and be patient. And to be honest, I think you're... Typical sort of NVIDIA card, you're talking maybe between 70 to 150 pounds for one is reasonably up to date.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think this is to do with the improved graphics that we're seeing. Um, I think somebody on the forum said that there's some new shaders involved and some, some of these ATI cards don't support it, or that you need to upgrade the drivers to the very latest versions to get it to work. I don't know exactly how many people are potentially affected, not just in terms of the alpha. If you think about it, the alpha demographic is kind of skewed to people who can afford to throw hundreds of pounds at a game. So these people probably have – that group probably has decent graphics cards. The general public, you might see a lot more of these ATI cards. Um, so Frontier will have to take that seriously. They may not have the option of just saying, well, we just won't support those cards. They may have to have a setting. Within the option in the graphics options, saying turn off these particular effects or whatever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And certainly, Frontier have talked about in the past where they're trying to make the games as accessible to the you know, as large an audience as they possibly can. I mean, certainly, my issue uh, that I found with the game that doesn't seem to be one that's shared by you guys is that of uh, network stability. Uh, my network really struggles. I'm trying to play this game on a on a two megabyte line because I'm out in the countryside, and uh, there's been a lot of times where I've either dropped the frame rates. To a point where it's just unplayable, or yeah, I just get booted out of the game where you guys are you know, absolutely happily playing on. So I think, same sort of thing, the people that are playing the Alpha, a lot of us are nerds, a lot of us are geeks, they're probably going to have a pretty decent internet connection. Uh, as standard, but frontier developments are probably going to have to try and look at, you know, seeing how uh, how they can optimise the network code to make it playable on. I think the average in UK is still a two megabyte broadband connection, so so you know I think it would be interesting to see how that network uh, code gets optimised as the as the alpha goes on. It is obviously there is an issue with uh,
1: your internet connection and the the speed of your internet connection, but to be fair, the multiplayer section has been readied out for a majority of people at different times. sometimes that's down to the amount of players that are actually on and certainly I mean John showed me a tweak uh, the other day where uh, basically you go into the control options panel and then come back out and yeah. that um, you know that seems to to you know give the server another chance to connect to you so um so yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's a fair few issues with the connection at the moment. And of course, that's something they're going to have to solve as things go. All the design talk about instancing has been there. And we've, we've talked a little bit about it, you know, on, uh, on the casts. But um, a lot of the time in, in some of the scenarios, you're seeing an awful lot of people Yeah. Um, And, you know, it could be that, um, you know, that that instancing, we don't know really how they've implemented the instancing in the multiplayer for the alpha uh, for the test.
2: There's one particular issue that I have quite frequently, and obviously I do some live streaming myself. It crashes out in me and leaves me stuck with uh, full screen. And you alt and tab to try and get back to your task manager, but that screen stays right in front of everything, meaning it's very, very hard to force quit the application, get out of it, and then relaunch it to be able to get back in. So I was restarting my machine and it was becoming a bit of a pain in the neck. Um, I found since that if you can switch user or log out of your user and then go back in, it makes it much easier. Or if you know how to use your task manager blind, it can help. So that involved me doing your task manager, bringing up, then alt-tabbing to it, having a look how far down the Elite Dangerous app was, hitting tab, down that number of times, and then alt-E, and then that was it. So there there are definitely things that make it quite frustrating, but once you figure out your workarounds, it becomes it's strange. I think we've you know we've all been so excited for so long that we overlook the frustrations and the, the kind of bizarre processes that we're coming up with on our own and we're very, very forgiving about it all. Because it's awesome.
0: Yeah, but also if you think about it, you know, this is exactly what we signed up for. We were spoiled with Alpha, with the first Alpha because it was just so you know, almost bug free. This is the job of an alpha tester. You know, it's supposed to break, it's supposed to be inconsistent. Or every time it crashes, yeah, you know, we're sending back information to Frontier Developments so that it can yeah, you know, make the game more stable and make the game. Yeah, more perfect when it comes to release date.
2: It's just as well they don't have any sort of voice um, logging because when it crashes, the uh, language becomes quite colourful, especially when you've got a crash in your sights. <laughs>
0: Well not only that, but also if you think about the way that they've set up the alpha, you know, you do get credits, you are accruing certain amounts of funds in order to be able to upgrade your ships and stuff. So if you crash and you're actually you know you crash within the first couple of seconds of launching into an instance and you've paid, I don't know, nine thousand credits for one of the top of the range ships, you know, you lose that nine thousand pounds and ship straight away, which is very frustrating. But you know, as I say, just part of the course to be honest. Okay, well <laughs> we could talk about bugs in the alpha until well, pretty much until we run out of recording space on our drives at the moment but it is getting better we've already seen some improvements in the last couple of days and i'm sure it will continue to get better as we go on but let's talk a little bit about some of the other stuff that's actually in the uh, in the scenarios themselves that has been uh, causing a few grumbles from people i think one of the major ones that we did see it in alpha 1.1 but maybe not quite as relevant as it is when you're playing a multiplayer and that is the um the aspect that you don't know when someone's actually shooting you. The, uh, the sound engineering for when you're getting attacked, when you're being shot at, when your shields are taking an impact is actually quite subtle. And I think a lot of people have said that, uh, you know, if they're focusing on shooting someone in front of them, they really don't realize that someone is behind them blowing their shields away. And once your shields are gone, uh, your hull... And the Sidewinder is very, very thin, and it takes no time whatsoever before you're in small little bits of space debris floating around the uh, scenario. So uh, that is something that they've taken on board, and Sandro's just come back and said that they are going to look into either putting a new audio cue in there, or maybe something visual.
3: It kind of makes me laugh, because um, uh, since, obviously, the multiplayer now, you've got this concept of some people being able to actually scan you. Uh, And you get this massive notification (laughs) jump up on the screen saying you're being scanned. And I'm like, great. I, you know because you know, that 's a useful piece of information. it means that obviously someone's <laughs> in tra- taking an interest in me, so i like 'm all ready for battle, but for some reason, you know there 's no message flashing up saying for some reason your dr- your shields have just been drained by sixty <laughs> percent so um, and as he just said, I think even Sandys even just like, kind of just smacked slapped his forehead, and said, "Yeah." we need something i mean if you think about it um frontier you know you had that that horrible klaxon whenever you got attacked you know you knew it was happening so um i i think they can they have to really they really do
2: i've seen it from both sides i mean i've seen it from when you're attacking something and the only clue you get eventually is do you get to see the direction of the laser that's hitting you or the beam laser that's Coming from Alan. Um, but uh, I've also been in that sweet spot at that kind of nine o'clock behind them and above where you can tell that they can't get out of your field of view. If you've got a gimbal there, they just can't get out of your way no matter what you do, you know? And so you can see that that's inherently unfair because when you get hit from somewhere, you should instantly be able, to, even if it was the stealth, the minute they fire and it connects, you're. Radar should be able to ping that person up in some way that makes you go, that's the bugger, and you should then be able to take evasive maneuvers. The problem is, by the time you realize your hull's already going down, you've got a a matter of seconds to find them on your radar. If you're lucky and you happen to be able to see the particular shape that's flashing, and um, at that point, you're usually dead. And, you know, we're finding that evasive maneuvers in that situation are extremely difficult if you don't have cover. But then again, we are working in an environment of alpha where everybody is in that one room. Everybody is in that one space and you've got a clean line of sight. The chances of that happening in the game are are pretty slim. You're not likely to be somewhere that open and that big unless it happens to be a large battle. But it would be a shame because you can see how... You literally can spawn in at the wrong point, and it's very arcadey. And you're gone before you've even had a chance to pop your lasers up.
0: Yeah, I suppose we should also mention as well that obviously this particular sort of scenario with Alpha, you've got no frame shift drive either. So in terms of methods of escape, you are pretty much committed to that uh, to that dogfight until either you blow up or uh, or, or you manage to uh, to get round and actually uh, destroy your attacker. So yeah you know, in the full game we will obviously have frameshift drives and things like that to uh, to make our escape as well so there will be further choices um, but interestingly talking about uh, not really knowing where your attacker is coming from because the other thing that I was picking up on uh, was the radar now in alpha one point one the radar yeah, it, it worked OK, but there was only a certain amount of information or in the scenario at any one time. These instances are very, very busy. They're very chaotic. And at the moment, I don't think the information that you get from your radar is presented in a way that's easy enough to read in the heat of battle. Would you guys agree with that?
3: Well, I'm kind of torn on it because I find that the radar is is, is better if you've got a high screen resolution because it's, it's obviously bigger and you've got more resolution to it. I also noticed if you're in UI mode and you focus on the radar, Um, you can see a lot better so in terms of if you're wanting to have a scout around you know you're not actually engaged in battle there is an option to kind of zoom in at the radar and have a good look at it that way however when you're in battle I can understand you know things get a little bit busy but isn't that kind of you know wouldn't that be the situation in, in like a real modern fighter jet you know your radar is obviously going to be designed to try and display information as efficiently as possible but it's only got a certain resolution. And if things are really that busy, it's, it's going to be an issue. So I, I don't know how much what they can really do with it. I mean, we, we talked about the radar before. And we've actually praised it because it's actually so much better than any anything else we've seen in terms of representing 3D data. Um, and I just don't know what they can do about it, you know, apart from not have lots of people flying around. And I just wouldn't want that you know I, I think it's just up to people to kind of decipher the radar better i guess
0: could they uh, you know could the developers help them maybe by producing you know some filters that you can put on you can select yeah you know, either any hostile targets or get rid of asteroids or yeah you know, just maybe put some filters to make it a little bit less cluttered
3: Potentially, but I don't know. You're flying through an asteroid field. One, you need to know where the asteroids are, so you want them on your radar. You two, you want to know where the bad guys are. You want them on the radar. So, f- I don't know.
1: Well, you've also you've also already using a lot of those colours. Green is an ally. Yellow is a is a, a neutral. Red is an enemy. And actually, when someone's shooting at you the the person who's shooting at you flashes on the radar they flash light blue and and red it's just a case of the fact that your eyes just don't go to it because you've Mm -hmm. got this you've got this sort of cockpit simulation where you've got a a control system that is set set forward and is operating in that 3d sort of method that's different to you know what you're seeing outside what you're actually controlling and of course it, it means you don't necessarily look at your instruments it's just like driving a car you, you you kind of end up looking at the road, don't you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, mate. Uh, you do. You spend so much time looking out of your actual cockpit window, looking straight ahead, that it seems like quite a lot. Of, it seems like quite a distraction to look down and look at the radar. Let's just talk about the last topic I want to do before we uh, we get into a little bit of alpha juiciness. That's of the flight mechanics. How have people found? Yeah, the dogfighting, the flight mechanics. Yeah, What have people seen in terms of some tactics? Now, the reason I put this down is that we talked about it being a potential issue in the first alpha, and that is uh, it was very easy to destroy the NPCs just by simply flying backwards and getting them in your sights and continuing to fire. Now, i've seen that tactic used a couple of times in the multiplayer and in fact i've actually been blown up by that tactic a couple of times in the multiplayer as well um which there's that aspect which i was going to ask you you know is that a decent flight mechanic or is that a decent strategy and the other one we're seeing a lot is that of ramming speed people waiting until you know their shields are gone and then literally just powering up and plowing straight into you now are these are these sort of valid tactics or are these sort of bad flight mechanics or just bad flying what do you guys reckon
2: It comes down to the position. If your attacker is on that sweet spot, in raised and high behind you, there is no escape. There's really nothing you can do. The only tactics I can think of that you you have at your disposal is to catch your shields before you lose them and to face your attacker and boost past them. That's the only thing that gives you any chance, any time. Obviously, actually tonight I was exploring the flight assist off but that's a a tricky 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 thing and I think that's the one thing that can give you that quick spin round but it'd be fantastic if that was a control that could do that. You could do a 360 um, spin with one button press. That would be a A (laughs) A win button. Is that what you're talking about? A win button. Paint it red. (laughs) A win button would be fantastic.
0: (laughs) What was the film that we saw that in? Was that uh, Last Starfighter or something like that where you literally just press the button and you just sort of span around 360 degrees firing in all directions? That's your win button. Yes. (laughs) uh Alan you've uh, you've probably had the most sort of dogfighting experience out of all of us in the crew what uh what do you mean your experience what have you seen people trying to do
1: quite a lot I've seen them trying to die um, <laughs> <laughs> usually at a fair distant range where I've picked them off I think I mean you know we, we've kind of alluded to this a little bit and uh, and it's worth sort of saying I kind of went into the multiplayer with you know a few sort of ideas in mind as to, to how it was going to be, and a few things to to kind of do. Um, if people recall a few episodes ago, dear Mister Colin Ford asked us all who we were going to fight first in the multiplayer, and so I told him that because he was the first person that asked, it was going to be him. And um, that rivalry is now over.
3: There was a lot of trash talk before that, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was a there was a bit, but that rivalry is now over. Let's let's just put it this way: in that, yeah, Colin lost <laughs> quite <laughs> badly. Colin lost one of the things that I anticipated going in was, and I I hadn't done this for for this particular reason, but I did anticipate the fact that um, well-known forum names, particularly with the fact that we were doing the podcast, was going to be, you know, it was going to be something that people were going to get a bit swamped to start with, because, you know, the way the alpha is, is you want to test everything, you want to play around, there's no consequence. So, of course, the minute that uh, that Foz managed to finish downloading the (laughs) alpha, get into the game, uh, he was immediately engulfed by every player that wanted a piece of... Of Forrester. Now, I don't have a commander name of Alan Stroud. I have said this on the uh, the podcast episodes before because I registered Alan Stroud as an NPC in the game. So Alan Stroud is out there somewhere um, and isn't uh, you know isn't my commander name. My commander name is totally different. There was actually there was a very distinct reason as to why my commander name is different. It's one of the characters in my book. So with the fact that my commander name is fairly anonymous. It does mean I don't quite get the same kind of heat or attention that both John and Foz have had. And I'm assuming that, Grant, you've had a bit of that too uh, in terms of of stuff being out there. So, yeah, you know, I I had a bit of uh, anonymity, which was quite nice. Um, And then kind of had a look around, had a play around with it, started off sort of playing around against some of the NPCs. And then realized just how, I don't know, how, you know, my tactics appeared to be effective against uh, some other people. So I went on a run against players. And yeah, I found it really, really good. And I've killed an awful lot of people
2: you're a bad man <laughs> I
1: know I know I feel so bad saying it but I have I've killed an awful lot of people who didn't know who I was even you guys to start with didn't know my commander name but gradually it's you know it's kind of settled down a little bit I did have a run this morning where I killed 21 people in one uh, one scenario which um, they were all players you know it was the, the broken scenario where the, the ship hadn't appeared but um, yeah I, I mean I found, it, I found it excellent fun the control model is, is lovely really really lovely you know you, you don't realise just how good the pitch into your or rather roll into your is when um uh, you know you're flying in the uh uh in the you know the the single player scenario and of course for me this is like 30 years of of looking at those ships out in elite and thinking oh maybe they could be players you know now they are now they are they are (laughs) players which is is amazing (laughs)
0: Okay, so we've managed to tempt him out of his darkened soundproof room to come and tell us a little bit about the uh, the side of audio fiction that's going on and maybe also a little bit about what's going on with the Elite Anthology. So, fresh from the darkened room, welcome to the show, Mr Chris Jarvis. Hello. How are you doing, mate? You uh, recovered slightly?
4: Yeah, yeah, much, much better
0: today. <laughs> yeah, we, we had to take pity on you when we recorded on, uh, on Thursday night because you had just come from uh, a whole week of, uh, well, Quite stressful work, I should imagine, but uh, we'll go on to that in a little bit. Why don't you two... Uh, well, it, was, long, it was
4: longer than the week because, of course, you know, the sort of month leading up to it was uh, desperately trying to get the studio and all kinds of other things ready in time. So I think it's just, it's been kind of a, a sort of a, a month and a week of um, very long days and just working all of them. I have, haven't have had many days off uh, really since the Kickstarter finished. So um, it's been nice this, this last couple of days just to have some days off.
0: Well, i tell you, what, why don't we start off with the uh, anthology? Obviously, Alan's already spoken a little bit on the show about the fact that his book's now with Frontier waiting to be finished. Drew's book has been signed off by Frontier. What's going on with the anthology?
4: So certainly two of the stories are completely finished, um, or at least I hope so, because I've recorded them. Um, I mean, we've got an advantage with the anthology that, that in terms of things like going to Frontier for kind of... The sort of checking of the in-game fiction, the anthology can be kind of done a bit more piecemeal because these stories are self-contained. You know, they are they are complete within themselves. So they're kind of going through the process one at a time as they're being completed. Generally speaking, it's getting there. I mean, we've still got one story that's that, that's still being finished. Um, and I think the author's found that it's been harder work getting it done than he originally <laughs> hoped. But that one is is apparently coming on and um, uh, and that'll be with Fantastic Books shortly. In fact, hopefully by the time this goes out, it will be. And yeah, the uh, Fantastic Books editors are turning the stuff around and getting back to the writers with, you know, suggested edits and uh, sort of proofing corrections. And yeah, it's good, you know, it's going well. And, and I will say that the two that I've recorded, you know, I, I enjoyed. Um, I mean, particularly um, Ramon Moret's The Easy Way Out. He's a, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great short story um and I'm, we'll come on to the audio in a minute but you know what well, i think it's going to sound good so brilliant okay well i mean maybe just take us
0: through that then so i mean what was your week last week obviously uh you've completed the studio and when was that finished and what exactly has been accomplished
4: um well technically the studio was finished the day before the recording <laughs> um, <laughs> just because no i mean it's not it's not really true i mean i think the friday thursday or the friday beforehand I've forgotten. It's become a bit of a blur. I was getting the, the, the sort of the carpet down on the floor was was the big thing that was missing in there. And then once the carpet was down on the floor, um, Dan actually dropped in on the Saturday uh, of the weekend to drop in paper copies of some of the manuscripts because he was in the area anyway. Um, and he basically helped me move my computer desk down into the studio. And then we just moved all the, we moved all the equipment in, and I took Dan through, you know, what I was doing in terms of cabling it all up. And it was helpful to have a second pair of hands. So yeah, basically we spent Saturday wiring the studio in the kind of final way it's going to be wired, and then and then Sunday I remembered that the one thing I hadn't sorted out was a reading stand. <laughs> it's funny the things you overlook because I sort of I with the studio I'd, um, I'd I'd been very careful with my design and I, I tried to think about absolutely every little thing I needed, and there were just there were two things that I just completely forgot about, one of which was a stand for the the actor to kind of put their reading script on. Um, and the other thing is, of course, having moved the PC, my sound system hasn't gone with it. Mm. So I actually don't have any. I've got headphones for the speakers, but I don't have an external sound system. So when I needed to kind of play stuff back for somebody else to listen to, it was like, oh, there's no speakers in here. <laughs> <laughs> i have got a studio with no speakers. Um, it's all it's all microphone, no speakers. That's, uh, that's the thing. So, yeah, that's just it's just one of those things that just didn't occur to me. Um, I just thought, oh yeah, PCs going downstairs, that'll be fine. So, um, what about um, what about Drew's book?
0: Obviously, that's what you were you were hoping to yes. record. Yep. Did uh, did that come through? Was it all ready to go for first thing Monday morning?
4: Yeah, it was. Uh, I believe it was a close run thing, but no, it was. Um, uh, it, it, is, it is, you know, in terms of the feedback from Frontier and the, the the version that I'd been reading over the weekend sort of leading up to the recording um, had things in it that said stuff like insert Imperial World here and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I was, I was very nervous. And then, But I got sent through another version. And when we were recording it, suddenly there were all these names of star systems and stuff coming through. And, uh, you know, and, and that was great. Perfect. So, uh,
0: <laughs> so toby longworth arrived on monday maybe just for sunday sake of th- night. sunday night okay so toby longworth arrived on uh on sunday night maybe just sort of take us through i mean what's he done in before what what's he done before you know what was he like when what was his impressions of the uh <laughs> the indie studio that you'd created
4: yeah well i mean in terms of i mean toby longworth for the, for anyone who doesn't know uh, you know who he is i mean he's a massively experienced actor Um, I mean, in fact, you know, talking to him about some of the things he'd done over the years, there were things he'd done that that even I wasn't hadn't remembered uh, that he'd done. I mean, going back, I mean, he did Weekending for um, years uh, on Radio 4 when when Weekending was a thing. And he, a lot of things, I mean, I was chatting away to him and he started out um, when he was 18. He was at um, college with um, Bill Bailey and he started out in a kind of comedy double act with Bill Bailey doing stand-up. Um, and then shortly after that, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Toby always wanted to be an actor and Bill Bailey, I think he, you know, from what Toby said thought, Oh, actually quite well, a stand up, you know, I'll stick with this. Um, and so, you know, Toby was a, was an, uh, an impressionist. And I think which really, I think when you listen to the, when you listen to the audio books, Toby being an impressionist actually kind of gives you an angle on, on how he goes about creating the voices for this thing. Cause it's amazing listening to him in, in the headset each individual voice he does for different characters, he just sounds like a different guy. I mean, it's almost—it's almost like having one person doing an audio drama. It, you know, it is—it is incredible to listen to.
0: But I mean, hasn't he got form from that? Because I know when I was looking up some of the stuff that he'd done, he'd actually done a sort of a one-man show of Judge Dredd, where he actually did the you know, the voices for the entire cast.
4: I can believe it. I can believe it. Yeah. I mean, you know, in terms of other stuff he's done, he's done Judge Dredd in audio. Um, he's done all kinds of Warhammer 40K audio books. Um, and he, you know, he's done a lot of audiobooks and, and I think sometimes he even kind of off his own back, he picks books that he wants to produce as audiobooks and he kind of, you know, has the, has the made, of, you know, for him to do, but I mean, not, you, you know, other things, I mean, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, he's in the last three series of that. Um, he was in the, the live tour of Hitchhikers, which came to an end at the end of last year. Um, which was an amazing show. Um, and again, he plays you know several parts in in hitchhikers. so he's just just an incredible voice talent, really.
0: What was his impressions of the uh, of the indie studio?
4: Yeah, he liked it, um, which I was really pleased by because um, you know my, my big aim for getting Toby to come along. Um, was a that you know first priority is that he he doesn't have a miserable time (laughs) and second priority is that he goes away and you know anyone else he knows that we kind of try and contact for work now or in the future that he can kind of say to them oh yeah you know go and do this job in Hinkley the studio there's great so and I was sort of talking to him because obviously you know I, I like to get a bit of feedback on how it compares to other studios and I think actually You know, it's very easy to be kind of unconfident and say, well, you know, other people have these these big professional studios. But I think actually a lot of the time recording setups are quite similar to this in the Mm -hmm. sense that they are a space in the sense that there are there are a space somewhere that has been converted to, you know, to a studio. Um, So I don't think the arrangement here is that uncommon, possibly a strange that it's such a residential street. I don't know. He did have one coin, because we live in Hinkley, which is a slightly weird place. And there was a really weird sound that went past. It was loud enough to even come through all of the sound treatment stuff. And he was like, what's that? I said, oh, it's the Rag and Bone men. So it's like, <laughs> do you guys live in the 1970s? I said, yeah, it's a, it's a bit like that here. But uh.
0: I hope you captured that and they can therefore use it as a, as a sound effect going forward <laughs> in some of the books.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. be a new use of the orange Sidewinder. <laughs> <laughs> flying past the system, yelling, any old iron? <laughs> uh,
0: well, I'll tell you what, mate, how did, the, uh, how did the week go there? It sounds like you sort of you both sort of settled in and, and got stuff done. So what exactly was achieved?
4: Yeah, I mean, there were certain key milestones that made me feel a lot better about the process because my big panic was that we would get to the end of the four days with Toby and that the big novel would still be unfinished just because it's hard to know how much progress you're going to make you know, recording a, a full a full length novel. But I was very encouraged after the first day when we got to about 30% of the book was done, just under 30%. And that was a point where I thought, this is good. We're definitely going to get the big novel finished. <laughs> um, and then by the time we got to the end of day two, I was actually pretty confident that we would finish it by the end of the third day. And we did. We, we, we basically had an hour to spare at the end of day three. Um so we wrapped uh, Drew's novel in three days and, and that basically gave us a little over a whole day to do the two short stories that were ready in time for the recording session and loads of stuff for the Lave revolution audio drama, which was, which was really positive. So I'm very pleased with that.
0: Brilliant stuff. And I'm assuming, therefore, that uh, you know, should we ever need to call on him again, he would, uh, he would more than happily come back for
4: a future book. I think he would. Uh, and, you know, uh, I'd certainly like to see him back. Just such a, yeah, as I said before, I mean, just such a useful talent to be able to call on, call on because, you know, you sort of give him an idea for a, the kind of voice you want for a character and he'll just, you know, produce something. And it's it's amazing, really.
0: Awesome stuff, mate. Well, I mean, that's that one. Then your first one under your belt. What, yep. uh, what comes next? I believe Penny's coming to visit.
4: Penny is coming down in a couple of weeks and we've got... Um so the the idea is Penny's going to be reading about half of the anthology um because we kind of want to do with the anthology stories. we kind of want to do a a sort of boy girl boy girl seating plan yeah. uh, with the with the narrators. I, but I'm, I mean, with with the rate that we got through things with Toby, I'm quite confident that we'll have a, a good amount of time with Penny to focus on the the Labour Revolution audio drama as well. And I, and I believe, you know, that, that Penny is uh, something of an expert in producing different voices as well. So hopefully if we can get her to sort of knock a few parts for Labour Revolution on the head as well, then we will be well on our way with that audio drama in terms of getting the sort of main significant characters cast and recorded and then and then immediately on the back of penny uh, we've got another actor scott ainsley coming uh, on the tuesday and he'll be there For the rest of the week, so I'm actually it's going to be a bit of an it's going to be another marathon. I'm basically doing an (laughs) I'm doing an eight day studio record between Penny and Scott.
0: That's obviously what the you know what happens when the actors come in, but you know when they go home, what's left? take us through what uh, what needs to happen in terms of the production levels and you know how it goes from just voices into a microphone into you know a fully fledged uh, production that comes out the other end.
4: Yeah, I mean it's a shame because because this is all kicked off. One of the things that I had sort of next on my list to do. with Escape Velocity um, was I'd set a scene aside in, in Episode 4. I was basically going to set up a video camera and I was going to do like a sort of walking through, putting a scene together. That was that was going to be my next thing. So that, it, you know, we could stick it up on the website and everyone can kind of see how the the audio drama is kind of constructed. Unfortunately, I haven't had time to do that, so I will explain <laughs> it. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, we've got the recording of Toby. Now, there's two different ways you can kind of record people for audiobooks. Because I'm obviously an experienced editor and putting this kind of stuff together, what I tend to do is just leave the microphones running. And when Toby needs to correct something or go back and do a line again, we just record it all as he does the performance. And then I'll go through it and and, and make the fixes and do the editing. And whereas some studios will, you know, every time you make a mistake, they will stop, wind back to where you made the mistake you'll start recording again. Uh, and it makes the recording process a lot longer. Mm. But what it means is, I mean, particularly for audio books where you're just going to have the actor's voice and nothing else, it means that come the end of the recording session, your audiobook is essentially finished. There is, there is no editing to be done. Whereas the way we're doing it, because we're creating a soundscape, by which I mean if the – so the best way to explain it is if the scene in the book is a couple of people talking in like a terrace cafe – then what you will have behind that scene is you will have ambience the same way you would for an audio drama. You'll have the sound of passing traffic. You'll have outdoor sort of, you know, weather noise. You'll have the sound of glasses clinking and that sort of thing. And it's just to create the kind of the setting. So it's not, it's not quite as tightly edited in terms of sound effects as something like escape velocity, whereby the sound effects relate directly to perceived real-time action. But there are sound effects in there, so there's, I mean, you know, I don't want to kind of give any spoilers, but there's, you know, to whet your appetite, I mean, obviously there's space battles, there's sword fights, there's gun fights, there's, there's, you know, space bars, there's huge ships coming into dock and all these sorts of things um, these are the kind of sound effects that will be in the audiobooks even the ones that are narrated not you know not audio drama so i mean essentially it's going to sound in a similar way to escape velocity only much better and it's narrated action rather than just relying on dialogue that's interesting because most of the book, <clears throat>
0: most of the audiobooks that i certainly listen to are just yeah, you know, just the plain actor's voice uh, and that's all you get. So it'll be interesting to actually hear one that's got yeah a sound scene in it,
4: and it's you know it's it's cheap and quick to produce audiobooks that way. And I suppose it's a traditional way of of audiobooks, and sense you're thinking, well, all we really need to do is read this book to someone that either can't or doesn't want to to read yeah. the to, to the text themselves. But I think there is a modern style of audiobooks, which is something that, you know, certainly Big Finish and BBC audiobooks do very well, which is much more enhanced audiobooks and creating this kind of soundscape. And and there'll even be instances, I think, particularly with Toby's performance, where the dialogue scenes are so strong. If there are tiny bits of narration inserted, to be honest, I'm going to be tempted to just snip those little bits of narration out and just let the dialogue run in the scene yeah because of course when you've got the actor giving an in-character performance and when you've got additional sound effects some of those additional little bits of narrative like you know he said or she said or you know he stirred his coffee cup or whatever like that <laughs> you don't actually need them because you can slot in a sound effect and actually just let the scene kind of work for itself but I mean that's the sort of thing I'll be working in collaboration with with Dan and with the authors to kind of, you know, check that they're happy with those sorts of things. But I think that's, I think it's a difference between if you're looking as an, an, audiobook as purely a functional way to provide books on the go, or whether you're looking at creating a piece of standalone entertainment. And if you're looking at creating a piece of entertainment, then music and ambience and sound effects I think really these days it's it's essential.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to be the voice of the audience here and say that sounds absolutely fantastic. It also sounds like a hell of a lot of work for you to do considering how many books they've actually got you uh, creating here. So uh, what's it, what's it going to well, be like yeah, in be- terms of timeframes? Yeah,
4: I mean, bearing in mind that the source footage for um, Drew's book is I've got 22 hours of recordings. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> Is it going to be possible to produce these things? I know we're not talking about timeframes now because certainly Elite Dangerous, it's in a a wonderful state of flux with all the alphas coming out. We have no real idea when this thing is going to be coming to market. So you've probably got a little bit more time than certainly the March deadline that we thought. But (laughs) I mean, this does sound like an awful lot of work for you to be doing.
4: Yeah, no, it is a lot of work. Um, But it's, I mean, you know, we want to create something really good. So um, you kind of of have to put the work in. But I don't know, it's difficult to talk about timescales really. I need to just kind of get started with it. And it's hard to judge because there is so much recorded audio for Drew's book. It's hard to kind of judge until I start playing with it, what kind of length we're talking about.
0: Could you hazard a guess? I mean, you've got 22 hours worth of audio and it's, I'm assuming it's an unabridged reading, is it?
4: It's an unabridged reading. My instinct is it's probably going to be a six or seven hour audio book. Wow. Um, Wow.
0: That's, that comes down a heck of a lot from 22 hours worth of raw footage.
4: Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's retakes on stuff, there's mistakes, there's odd five minute breaks where we stop and have a chat and I just don't bother stopping the recording <laughs> you know there's there's all kinds of things that come up I mean it might be slightly longer than that but my feet in terms of the amount of words in the book it, it should really be about the six or seven hour mark
0: okay well I and mean, here we are talking about all the various sort of elite dangerous projects that you're going to be underway with what about your own project what about escape velocity what can fans <laughs> expect from that
4: yeah um I keep getting messages occasionally about what's happening with Escape Velocity. Essentially, it's basically, I haven't got time to work on it just at the minute. And because we're so busy doing, you know, getting the studio ready and the scripts ready in January was a massive task. And then obviously having Toby here and recording was a massive task. And then I've got to kind of finish the scripts for Lave Revolution by the time the next two actors come. Because essentially, um, I mean, I'm adapting Alan's book for audio drama so what I needed to do was to get all the scenes done that I was expecting to use Toby for so I kind of I, even though I've recorded all of Toby's stuff for all of Lave Revolution I've kind of only written the scenes that I was expecting him to be in um, so I've now got to then get the scripts ready in terms of um, the other parts for, for Penny and for Scott and you know it is just kind of I mean Escape Velocity is enormously close to my heart and I absolutely want to work on it and get it finished but it just it has to come second because at the end of the day, I'm not being paid for Escape Velocity and it's unofficial, whereas these books are official and I am getting paid for them. So I, I kind of feel like I've, Escape Velocity has to be worked on when I've kind of got a lull in my list of jobs for, for the uh, Fantastic Books audios, which is a, and it's a pity that we ran out mid-series. I mean, my plan was a, was always to try and get Escape Velocity knocked on the head by the end of next year, that second series. It just didn't happen in time. You know, by the end of last year, I've kind of... I've sort of done the dialogue edit for episode four, but it's lacking the kind of sound effects mix, which obviously is what, you know, really makes it.
1: Yeah, um, no, and I haven't
4: even talked to Alan about music for that episode. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, it will happen. Huge apologies for the delays. We just, yeah, didn't, I think didn't quite anticipate quite how full our plates were going to be with with these audiobooks. But yes, yeah, so I mean the order of priority and I've been I've been given it from Dan that my absolutely number one priority for this week was to actually get my short story for the anthology finished. <laughs> and because he'd given me a kind of while I was working on the studio and doing Toby's recording, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about your short story this week, just deal with that. But then as soon as we'd finished with Toby, it was like yeah, I need you to get on with getting your story finished out. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm kind of working on now. So it's that, then it's the scripts for Lave Revolution, and then hopefully, hopefully I'll get some time in to uh, pick up where Commander Thane left off.
0: Not a problem. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's not what the fans want to hear, but at the same time, I think they can probably understand being fans of Elite Dangerous first and foremost. <laughs> so not a problem with that. And talking about Elite Dangerous, mate, just before we wrap up here, have you had a chance to play Alpha 2.0? What's your initial thoughts?
4: I have. I mean, I've actually, uh, I can completely ruin your continuity now because I've had a chance to play Alpha 2.1, uh, which was obviously <laughs> released since you were uh, on the mate. podcast. That's, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, my first experience of it wasn't positive. Um, to be fair, it was very late and I was very tired and I fired it up and I had, I think I had two freezes and then I got into, I went, just went into free-for-all and I think I got spawn killed twice in a row. And I was just thinking, oh, this is awful. And I, but I, and I think, and I, and I will go so far as to say, I, I don't think that free-for-all deathmatch is a good example of how Elite Dangerous is going to play. Absolutely not. Um, at least, I, at least I certainly think if that is how it's going to play, I'll probably just play it in the solo group. Because <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know how much you guys have got into talking about the. Um, you know, the GTA 5 online thing, but I caught up with you guys online for GTA 5. And I, because of the way I play GTA, I really kind of like the missions and I like the stuff that you can do. And I kind of want this this exciting co-op experience. And then when I came online with you guys, lovely as you are, it is basically just people arsing around in vehicles and shooting at each other. <laughs> and my, so my feeling for the Elite Dangerous Alpha was I got into it in multiplayer and it was like, oh God, this is just people in vehicles arsing around and shooting at each other. So in terms of gameplay, you know, I don't really enjoy the free-for-all, but having said that, I then, when I was a bit less tired and I had a bit more time, I got stuck into uh, Credits and Ethics, which actually, you know, having played them all, Ethics and Credits is my favourite of of the game modes. And I think it's the, I'm probably repeating stuff that you've said on the podcast, (laughs) but for me, it feels the closest to how Elite Dangerous is hopefully going to play when it's finished and I just like the I like the fact that there's um, repercussions to your decisions. Yeah. So once you attack someone, you become a valuable target. And you know, and I think that's the sort of thing we're going to see in the final game to stop random player killing. And I know I had a bit of online time with Alan the other day, and I know that he hadn't really got into the whole cargo scooping thing but I've had a chance to use the cargo scoop and the little mini game where you have to sort of line up the camera with incoming cargo and then drop it off at the anaconda for for credits you know it's great fun absolutely great fun and and, and then having had a chance to go online with Alan, it makes a difference in multiplayer flying with somebody else kind of watching your back. Yes, it does. Because I, th- I think at the moment with the Alpha, and I know they've commented on the forums, that being able to kind of target the person who's shooting at you currently isn't implemented. And it's something they're going to they're gonna look at putting in. And at the moment, I think once you come under attack, by the time you've kind of figured out where it's coming from and who's doing it, it's kind of over. Yeah. So having a second pair of eyes, kind of watching you, is, is is very useful. But yeah, no, I've been really enjoying the alpha, and it's weird actually because I thought, oh no, this is going to be really unstable because the first few times I fired it up, I had a lot of crashes. But weirdly, the more I've played it the more stable it seems to have become so I don't know what that is I don't know if it's just bedding in or whether, it's, whether the crashes are kind of server based but yeah for, you know really enjoyed it and um, looking forward to seeing what they do next
0: great stuff mate well I will just quickly say there that your, uh, your evening with the GTA crew uh, was not <laughs> indicative of the general elite dangerous crew on GTA it was just an arsying around evening that one but uh, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have invited you along for that one but no it's great that you're enjoying the alpha mate um, no no
4: but I will say I will say and this is, and I know we've kind of shied away from uh, various things where, where when it came out, people said, how is Elite going to be like GTA V? And I think they are very different games. But I think there is an important lesson that we learned from from GTA V, which is, I mean, you guys started playing it, what, three months ago? Yeah. And already me joining it as a level one character, the, the balance, the balance of the game between where I am at level one and where you guys are like level 40 or 50, the missions don't work.
0: That's true.
4: Because either the missions are so low, uh, the, either the missions are low enough level for me to get involved, in which case you guys are grossly overpowered and you just kind of walk it, or we're doing missions at your level, in which case I'm not powerful enough to actually contribute. So I think there is a valuable lesson there for Elite Dangerous gameplay that if people are going to be, if this game is going to last and last and last, the balance needs to be right, so that when players come in as newbies, that actually the players who are kind of got massive ships and huge weapons, that there are still ways of bringing gameplay together. And I think that's something that's going to need to be very carefully looked at.
1: Yeah,
0: completely agree with that, mate. And we'll see what they've got planned for that in the next few weeks or so. But uh, just for the moment, I'm going to let you go and lie back down in your darkened room, which is. Uh... I'm working it now. <laughs> so- okay well uh, we will leave you to it mate and we will catch up with you on the next show but thanks for dropping by buddy cheers thank you very much well what we're going to do now is something that we haven't actually done on the main show it's something we've dabbled a bit with with uh, Retro live, but we're going to actually boot into the alpha and do a live playtest Now, whilst we've been recording the podcast so far, we put a message out on Facebook to let people know that the the Lave Radio crew are actually going to be going into the game live. So we'll see how many of you actually picked up that message and are itching for a bit of the Orange Sidewinder. So hang right there and we'll be right back.
1: going Sorry. into scenario one yeah yeah
3: endless war okay and remember if you look at your right hand head,
1: you can pick a faction okay well I'll probably let one of you guys do that um, okay so I'd suggest then that we, we go in two teams yeah, so we go in two wings um, who wants to go with who I'll go with the surgeon if that's okay <laughs>
3: Someone put the griefer. I think that's that's that. I, I would
0: be honored to have the griefer.
1: Yeah, Simon called me the griefer. Yeah, bless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is pretty much uh, part of the course, isn't it? Uh, I've gone into my uh, the screen and it says that multiplayer is read it out. So, uh,
1: so go to I'm options. doing the
0: dance. Yeah, the dancing in and out of options to see if I can't get it to, uh, to come back online. So you guys carry on and uh, I'll try and get in there as soon as I can.
1: Okay, alright. So we're going into scenario one. Yep. Everybody ready? Yep. Let's go. Okay.
3: So what is the loadout you're using, Alan? Uh
1: yeah, now to, to, to just let everybody know, um my loadout is always uh two beam lasers. Um uh I basically I what I do is try and earn enough credits to basically buy, you know, for it to pay for itself. It costs eleven hundred credits. John, yours.
3: Um, I like anything that's gimbaled. <laughs> I don't have to aim too good no I do like the two beams but uh, I'm not quite as good at it it as Alan at the moment so I don't uh, get as much return on my investment so sometimes I need to drop down to something a bit cheaper Um, what are you using at the moment Grant?
2: I tend to use the needle which is the gimbaled uh, pulse laser. That's what I'm using at the moment as well. Right so are we all ready for Endless War?
1: So the first job when we launch into a scenario is to make sure that we're all in the same instance and to to meet up. So uh, when we when we get in, try and rendezvous first of all, and then uh, get to a nice sort of zero speed, so that we're we're all in a, a tight location. Now, with the fact that we have let it be known to forum users and to uh, uh, to people on Facebook and also to people on the ED chat that we're going to be there. We're anticipating a bit of heat. So forming up is going to be the, the important thing to do. Uh, once we've done that, then we can start talking about where we're going to go and what we're going to take out, whether it's going to be NPCs or it's going to be players. So I would say to start with, guys, we probably want to look at the amount of credits that we've got and paid out to make sure we uh, earn back what we need. Okay, I've got Commander Michael T I've got Commander Psycho Cow. Okay, I'm coming to see you, Grant.
0: Okay. And the multiplayer just come up, so I'm just about to jump in. Good. Uh, for those that are interested, I am going for yeah the Class 3 Gimbal Beam Laser. So, 1,500 credits. And I'm launching in now. Okay, Grant, I'm just coming up beside you. Yeah, I'm just behind
1: you.
2: Oh, I think you might be green.
1: Oh, someone's shooting at me. I see you. I don't know who was shooting at me. Oh, my shields are gone
0: already. Come on guys, where's the defense? Get round him.
2: I'll try, I'll, I'll, I'm right next, I'm just trying to work out where, um, who's shooting him.
0: Has anybody checked to make sure it's not John shooting him?
2: Jonas Carpenter?
0: That's me dead. Great
1: <laughs> I can't see.
2: I, I can't see who it was actually, there's just...
1: Yeah, no, there we go. Okay, so my loadout costing 1100. Puts me down 1,100 credits. So we'll come back in.
2: I reckon it's this person right here. Nice. B is Colin Ford. Okay, have... Um,
1: uh, John, have you managed to find Grant yet? Yeah.
3: Not yet, no. I'm still... I'm actually locked in a dogfight with somebody.
1: Okay. Foz, are um. you in?
0: Yeah, I'm in, but unfortunately, uh, I can't see any uh, human players in my instance. All my yellow triangles are hol- uh, are filled rather than hollow.
1: Okay, sometimes they oh, there's a, oh, yeah they take a minute or two to resolve themselves. Uh, okay,
0: so who's this? Okay, I've got Steve Lombardi. Who's that? And then I've got
1: okay, Commander Castle.
0: Uh, I've just been destroyed Psychicou. by two uh, two very sort of powerful beam lasers, and unfortunately, I didn't get the I didn't get the fella's name as he blew me away.
1: <laughs> Not for insurance purposes, no. Okay, no. Um, Grant, I'm coming in towards you i think i was coming in towards you and i've died uh, there you go right, <laughs> guys okay, this grant. isn't
0: the best uh, example of our prowess here no we're not
1: doing too well okay grant i'm coming in towards you you're on your own at the moment aren't you someone's shooting behind me
2: it's commander castle
1: is that who was shooting at me
2: i've no idea but he certainly seems to be marked as an enemy so
1: yeah i yeah, got him <laughs> i'm gonna okay, take him he's out he's lost his there? shields yeah his shields are gone
2: I've got him in my sightseeing, he's not going to get away from me at all, I'm afraid. Good night Josephine!
1: Yeah, I think you got that one. Kaboom! Okay, there is also... Oh, there's... Oh, I see. Right, we've got anacondas in here. This is possibly why we are struggling quite so much. There are anacondas firing at us. Right, I'm going for Travis.
2: His shields are gone. Oh, and now my shields are gone. That's the problem, you've got to try and wait for your, your scan to come through to give you the pilot name. Hmm.
1: I think we might want to try another scenario, gentlemen.
0: <laughs> I think you might be right.
1: Because I think this one's a little bit too busy for us. Well, so I've
0: literally just managed to get out of uh, a dogfight by reversing, doing exactly what Grant said by jamming my brakes on. Uh, I've now managed to get back behind this guy and into the sweet spot. Uh,
2: I think it's going to have to be ethics and credits, isn't it? Yeah. Well, in the instance that we were just in we had Jeff Ryan's in here.
1: Oh missed out on him.
2: Also, let, me, oh. let, let, let me deal with that for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this Hal's at fifty percent, I'm getting hatmered, but you know, uh, I think I can still take him out before he gets me. Goodbye, Jeff
1: <laughs> <laughs> Live on air. You have it here. That Jeff is dead. So yeah, no, I'm I'm now it's starting to get a bit poor but uh, thankfully I've still got enough credits for uh for a few more goes with um with my favorite lasers so where are we going let's launch into ethics and credits i'm on my way
2: i'm just going to exit this game and come and join you guys i've made enough
1: okay now the thing that we found and we should you know sort of say this that we did practice a little bit yesterday as a as a team and the thing that we found was that actually by working as a team, it countered a little bit of the, the celebrity status that some of us had a problem with when uh, we were in there and everyone wanting a piece of us. For the most part, I think that you know, just now when we were in uh, the first scenario, for the most part, it was the NPCs that were giving us the trouble, not really the players. So certainly with ethics and credits, you get a lot more player action as opposed to NPC action. Uh, so yeah, so just watch out for the rocks, and I can't believe I'm the one saying that. Okay, who we got here?
0: Does... Oh, believe it or not, I've got Phoenix Defire, our friend Colin Ford. Oh, really? Right yes, really?
1: Oh, what a shame.
0: Are you by the nav beacon here? I've got Philip Turner, who is
1: nearly dead. Oh, and who's, who's that going round him? And firing away Alpha Backer. No, it's just an Alpha Backer, so we're not too worried. Oh, and I've crashed. There we are.
0: Oh, someone's shooting at Colin. don't know who it is. Let's see who who's having a pot shot at him. Um... Come on, who are you, Croy Mortlock?
1: Uh, now we know Croy very well. Obviously, Croy has been trying to sort out his his group or guild uh, in the game later on, and is famous for being killed by Ashley Barley. Um, Croy also killed me uh, early on, which he probably doesn't know because obviously he doesn't know my commander name. But uh, I got some revenge on him yesterday. So yeah, so uh, uh, obviously free license. Uh, is everybody else in the instance? I'm in the instance with oh. you. Yes. Okay, ha- I've, I've crashed, so um, just coming back.
2: <laughs> I'm having issues with crashing as well. I've uh, managed to get to the point where my multiplayer is now redded out. Ah,
0: oh, I've just crashed as well. I wouldn't care. Croy had just done some excellent bits of flying and hidden behind an asteroid and ambushed me as I came around it. So uh, that was actually turning out to be a really good fight. So sorry, yeah, right.
1: Croy. He, he, he actually, when he got me first time up, he did uh, a very, very similar maneuver. So, um, yeah, no, it was, he's very sneaky.
3: I just collected a two grand bounty after taking out a bounty hunter, which was
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> who was low on shields. Always be careful after you're chasing someone. Always watch your six. That's my...
1: That's my, uh, your advice for tonight. It is, yeah. <laughs> Unless you've got someone to watch it for you. Someone's just come in to the scenario, literally right in front of me. Oh, no, and then disappeared. Oh, Commander Yan. So, uh, Ian M. Norman is in this scenario. That's Michael T. John Stabler, hello John Stabler. Right, I'm with you John. Should we go and take out some... Somebody, who would you like? You pick the target and I will... Cat Jonesy. Okay. Oh, you've got someone behind you. Who have you got behind you? Michael T, right behind you. Okay, he's dead. <laughs> Thank you very much. Careful though, yeah, so I don't shoot you.
3: Cat Jonesy is mining. Uh, we're about
1: to give him a very good very. I've got Thousand Bounty off of uh, Michael T.
2: There we are. I'm still redded out, so I'm trying to close down the launcher and the main program to see if I can get back in. I'm redded out as well. No, nope, my multiplayer is remaining redded out. Oh, such a shame. So maybe just give
0: a little bit of background guys, how many people can you actually see in this instance? Um, how many of them I'm, compared to sort of normal players versus <laughs> the computer players?
1: Well, we've got quite a lot of NPCs in this instance at the moment. It's just John and I that we can see around us at the moment. Um, we've we've obviously then got one or two other people sort of turning up. I can just see someone's just appeared at the moment. Um, so I'm just sort of moving up to circle around so that we can work out who that is.
3: I've just been rammed by the looks of it. Croy uh, you got... is attacking me.
1: Oh, right. Okay, where are you? Let's find you. OK, I've got you. You're right next to Yan. OK, do you want me to get rid of Yan and then we can... Oh, uh, Wolf...
3: I'm kind of locked in combat with Croy okay,
1: as we speak. let me see if I can get Croy's. I need to see where you're firing. Ah, OK, I can see where he is.
3: He needs to be... Uh, Wolfric, uh...
1: Wolfric is firing at you as well. Wolfric's dead. Thank you. Oh, I'm toast. Oh. Oh dear, 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 dear! Left me on my own. I think Yan came in on you as well, so I'm just going to uh, deal with that. Okay, I'm not seeing Croy. I got a thousand bounty for killing Yan, so that was good. Okay, so essentially, with the with this scenario with ethics and credits, we're basically we're looking at an asteroid field, and players have a habit of hiding in the asteroids and then coming out to ambush. Uh, uh, other players now there is a bit of an npc game here you can play to try and you know sort of target the npcs if you want to and apparently you can gain um some of the credits from uh from cargo bay hulls uh from cargo payer holds that the anacondas have got and so on and so forth um it doesn't tend to be the thing that players do because of the fact that um you've got this opportunity to hide in the asteroids most people kind of take advantage of that really
3: I'm at the launch screen, ready to go in again. Okay,
1: I've had to task manager, so I'll uh, I'll just get my task manager sorted out first.
0: Um, it's worth saying though that even if you do run out of the, the credits, uh, there are still three basic ships that you can fly, uh, with don't cost any credits whatsoever.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, um, and it is. You know, I. You can do pre- uh, pretty well. I mean, I've you know I've kind of gone in with the pulse laser option, which is you know is is for no money, and you can do pretty well with the pulse laser option, because um, of course if you go in you take out one NPC you've made three hundred credits, so if you go in and take two NPCs you make you know obviously two lots of that you know and then you you can go back in with with some decent guns. That said, uh, you know I I favour the dual beam lasers. Um, they are. Very power hungry, so it means that you know your shots basically are—you uh, only get a limited amount of shots. But um, when you hit, you know, people die. I'm back in now oh,
0: after excellent. rebooting the router. So, are we in ethics and credits?
1: We are in ethics and credits. So, John, uh, I'm about to come and join you. So, we're we'll heading into ethics and credits.
0: Just jumped in. So, who have we got? Commander Nat Hond. Ah, uh, Nat Hond. Okay, I'm in.
1: Okay, are you hard points deployed or not? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so uh, just for the benefit of the listeners, when hard points are deployed, it changes your um, shape on the scanner from a triangle. Uh, well, it changes you to a triangle uh, from being a um, a square, uh, an open square. And you can determine what the players the players are um, uh, are open triangles as opposed to closed triangles, which are the NPCs. Now so it's a particularly useful way of identifying each other so, you know, I can rule out a few people um, in terms of whether they are the others. So at the moment, I can see Commander Goodman. Yeah, so now he's right in front of me, as is with I, Nail. Okay, so I'm I'm heading for Commander Goodman. Should we target him?
0: Uh, yeah, give me two seconds. Somebody else has just gone after him. Yeah, someone's shooting him.
1: Okay, so that should take down some of his shields, which would be nice. Right, okay, you ready? Tell me when you're yeah, ready, I'm and ready. then I'll, I'll get rid of his shields. There you go, shields are gone.
0: And let's just target you.
3: Oh, we- weapon is over Croy mor-
1: Okay, right, we'll come and help you in a second, John. Just get rid of Commander Goodman, who is rolling particularly well. He's, he's, he is, managed, actually, to, yeah. Yeah, he's managed to roll around on me here. Uh, he's dead. There we go. There we
0: go. Someone's just shooting you, I think.
1: Yeah, someone is shooting me. Not sure who.
0: I'll soon tell you. It is Commander Sancho. Okay. Do you
1: want to get him because yeah. I can't at the moment. Yeah, I'm shooting him as we speak. Good. hopefully he down. Right, okay, I'm I'm really dying. Yeah, he's got me. Ah, uh, sorry, can but you can, you can kill him. Uh, I think I'm about to die guys sorry john we we were trying to get to you
3: no it's my fault for taking you on I couldn't find the guy you were on about so
1: he's he's rather good is croy I have to say that croy is um
3: oh, I think croy died anyway he was his hell was very low
1: okay well
0: that's Sancho gone
1: well done okay we we'll, we'll Ooh, try one thousand three
0: hundred and get... fifty uh, credit bounty collected for Sancho. thank you very much, Sancho. <laughs> You should shoot my friends more often. I'm going to come straight back in.
1: Yeah, I've I've crashed again, so I'm with nails
0: still in. But apart from that, there's no other commanders here.
1: Okay, so best thing to do would be to hole up somewhere and wait for John. And then, uh...
0: oh, alas,
3: I am stuck on
0: the loading screen. It's interesting. With Nail has literally just come to uh, a dead stop right in front of me. Oh,
1: <laughs> so you're going to fl- uh, flash your lights or anything?
0: Yeah, I think we might as well. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Withnail Handaroo. Mm. Oh, it's doing a nice sort of lateral turn to the rights. Oh, I've got a wonderful space ballet going on here at the moment with our lateral thrusters. How lovely. And I think on that note, it's probably not a bad idea to uh, leave the alpha there for the time being and return to the rest of the podcast. Okay, so we're back. So. <laughs> I think that proves the uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the elite alpha. You know, there's a few of us struggling to get on there. There was a few kills taken and a few deaths as well. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that uh, alpha continues over the next couple of weeks. And stay tuned to Lay Radio, and we'll keep you in the loop. Okay, so just to sum up, uh, oh, we've got one question coming in on the email from uh richard bbc micro uh he says hi guys wonder if you can help i've just joined the alpha but i've gifted an account to my son for the amount of 40 pounds so he will get his copy of the game when it's released uh the problem is that we would like to start in the same system but it looks like we'll end up in different parts of the galaxy do you know if this will be the case or if frontier have plans to let players start in the same area of space john
3: um, well, as far as I know, as an alpha backer, I think he's got a choice of all of the starting places. So all he needs to do is find out where his son starts. And although the system might be randomised in a small area, for instance, if he picks like an independent or or an imperial, for instance, he might not be in the exact same system. Hopefully he should be able to get there in, in a couple of jumps. And probably.
1: also I wouldn't say that um, it's going to be too dangerous to kind of try and find people. Um, I don't think the alpha multiplayer is necessarily representative of how um, uh, helpful and um, collaborative
0: the Elite Dangerous community is going to be when the full game's there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, just a quick couple of shout-outs. The first one is to uh, Karash's Twitch TV channel. That's tinyurl.com forward slash Karash which is K-E-R-R-A-S-H and of course you've got the official Elite Dangerous channel on Twitch TV which is twitch.tv forward slash Elite Dangerous. And just a little mention as well to the Elite Dangerous chat channel on Skype, which is uh, always pretty pretty busy, regardless of what time of the day or night it is. So if you want to get into that, you can add Fozor 101 to your Skype contacts, and I will drop you straight into the chat. And lastly, just a quick a couple of shout-outs for some iTunes reviews. Thank you very much to Tim29990, to Neil is dead, and also to Cassius. Thanks very much for taking the time to review us on iTunes. That's going to do it for the show. Thank you very much to John, Grant, and Alan. If you'd like to contact the show, you can at info at laveradio.com. You can catch us on Twitter at Laveradio, Facebook forward slash Laveradio. And if you'd like to call us and leave a message on Skype, you can at laveradio. That's it for another show. We're going back to the Alpha, but we'll catch you next time.